growing up in the ghetto, I always had to get approval to live, the approval to think, the approval to be accepted. That shit don't mean nothing to me. Uh, I just, I just feel so good. Like I, I think I'm at my, I, I think I'm at my best, my the best feeling possible when I'm able to feel something and be able to react with my emotions and and to be able to embrace what I'm feeling and to be able to cry. I love crying on the aspect of like, it just feel good because I'm letting something out. And I used to remember when I used to be feeling a certain way and I couldn't let it out because of the environment that said that wasn't cool or I would be soft. everybody, welcome to another episode of Impact Theory. I am here with somebody that is going to make your brains leak out of your ears. This guy is extraordinary. He is the one, the only, Wallow267. Wallow, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you for having me, Tom. Dude, it is so good to have you. Mm -hmm. I am obsessed with people that have a no BS, no excuse mentality. I read your book, which we have here, The Mind of Wallow267. For people that don't know your story, you spent 20 years in prison, yeah. which seems impossible. Every time I heard it, I thought, okay, he got a 20-year sentence, but there's no way he actually did 20 years. But you actually did 20 yeah, years. Yeah, did 20 years. Which yeah. is crazy. You write a book, and I want everybody to understand, this is after coming out of jail for 20 years, and this, this was the part, when I heard this in the book, I was like, I know why he's as successful now as he is. It's a direct quote. All things you put in your mind of why you can't win or why you can't do this. Oh, they racist. Oh, this. Oh, they hating. That's all bullshit. Make it happen. Let me tell you something. Every key to every closed door on this planet is right here in your mind. All you got to do is believe in yourself and stop BSing. Stop making excuses. It gives me the chills rereading it now. It really gave me the chills the first time I read it. How, after what you've been through growing up North Philadelphia, what gave you that insight? That, that insight to me is the difference between success and failure. Mm-hmm. If you blame other people, even when it's real, even when somebody is actively fucking you up, if you focus on them and what they're doing and the things you can't control, you will lose. But if you, even when someone is fucking you up, you focus on what you can do, what you can change, what's in your control, you will win. But that, that insight is hard. Where did, did somebody say something? You read no, in the it was, book. it wasn't really about somebody saying nothing. It's just about once I was sitting in my cell and I realized that I used to, I used to chase the police. What do you mean? I used to chase police out there. Like in Philly, I was a guy that used to do a bunch of dumb shit and wave the police down. Yo, come get me. Because chasing police. <laughs> Literally wave them no, down? No, no, but chasing <laughs> just the police. doing dumb shit. Doing dumb shit. Like right. I was, so it was like, I can't blame the homies because they ain't got nothing to do with this. I can't blame, like, when we go through something, we always looking for somebody to blame for our existence in a fucked up place. No, I paid for this train ticket to here. I paid for the train ticket. I got on the train. It was many stops before that I could have got off. No, I I went to the final destination. I arrived here in jail. Oh, let's do it. I got to do this now. This this is my reality. Okay, how did I get here? Wallow, I want to, I'm going to push you on that because your punchline is so powerful but it gets more powerful the more people know about your story. Mm-hmm. So when was the first time that you were locked up? Uh, June 30th, 1990. I was 11 for a couple days. 11. Yeah, I was 11 in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia County. I got arrested for robbery. And then a week later, this was on a Saturday, the Saturday later, I got arrested again. And September 19th, 
1990, I got sent away for a year, St. Michael School for Boys. Uh, I did a year there, came on a home pass back and forth, got, came home. Once I finished the year, got arrested again, went back for another year. And I just was in, in and out of the juvenile facility for five years. Okay, I was so in and out five, the system. five years of your youth, yes. did they ever try to help you, teach you a useful skill, uh, guide I, I, you? I became, what happened was I became, I, they put me in a habitual offenders unit. So I never forget it. I had this uh, probation officer named Ruth Marcus. She was a lovely lady. She always tried to help me in every type of way. She was real communicative with my uh, mother and all that. She always tried to help me. Then they took me away from her. I got this other uh, uh, probation officer named Denise Villetto. I think she wound up turning to FBI agent. She was no fucking joke. Uh, Denise was Denise was something different. Denise wasn't no joke. Like, and even with her being no joke, she still. She used to have conversations with me, and I think she wanted me to win. She, no, I ain't gonna say I think she wanted me to win. A lot of times when people bring run down on us and bring us that and bring us that friction, we freeze up and we think they dickheads and all that. To me, at the time, she was a dickhead. But when I think about it, as I got older, you know, she just really, she just really was trying to see me win, you know. And uh, but I was in there, in and out, five years, in and out that juvenile system. And then when I turned 17, I got locked up for two robberies two firearm violations, and that's when I got 19 and had 52 years combined in two different sentences. And, and uh, like, it was just like, damn. And then when I went to jail, I'm like, over the years, it took some time because you grow, you're growing in there. I realized, hold up. I spent more time incarcerated than I did free on this planet. Fuck me up. That fucked me up. Like, I'm saying, I'm sitting in the cell, I'm like, oh, this, this is some crazy shit. So you just like, all right, cool. I got to figure this shit out now. Now, what is the reality of the shit? What did I do to get here? Really fast, I wanna talk about that moment because so so far it seems like you have a litany of things that you could blame from uh, culture determines what is cool, you're just trying to fit in, you're in an impoverished neighborhood, it's a neighborhood notorious for crime, so you're already put in that. There's sort of generational poverty issues mm -hmm. all to take into account. There's a system that is not exactly preparing you for anything. I've heard you say that the juvenile system makes you feel at home in the penitentiary. It's like a training yeah, school. Yeah, that joint was so a training, like, a prep. There, there is a list of things that you could blame. You're still not blaming them. For the person right now that is subconsciously or consciously spending their time focused on that stuff, I want to understand how, how you think about there are real things that are fucking you up. They're real. Yeah. But it still doesn't help you to focus on those. And I wanna know what it is you've learned about life because you're a marketer. Like you, you figure out how the game works and then you go, I'm not gonna judge it. I'm just gonna say this is the best way to play it. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes you so interesting. So what was the key insight about how, the, how life works that made you go, even though I have reasons, like these are real legitimate reasons for me to just stay broken, it's not a smart play. Why isn't it a smart play to wallow in that? Because uh, it, it, it's going to have me in the same place. I'm going to be in the same place. I might not be doing crime, but I'm still going to be living a loser lifestyle because I'm a complainer. I'm, a, you, not, I'm an American complainer. I just complain, complain. That shit don't work. I ain't got time for that bullshit, Tom. I got, listen, let me explain something to you, Tom. I'm 42 years old, just turned it a couple days ago. Okay, bet. There's a big, is a big, is a big chance that 50, nah, 60%, maybe 80 Maybe 90% of my life is gone already. I don't have fucking time. Time is not waiting for me. Time is not my friend. And I'm not talking about your type of time. I'm talking about T-I-M-E. Time don't like nobody. 
Time hate all of us. Time is trying to stay away from us. You think I'm going to waste the rest of the time that I got to be operating out here, crying and complaining, blaming somebody? No. I know why I'm there because you know why? It was a guy. It was plenty of people that I know that came from the environment that produced me that I come from that didn't go where I went. So what I'm complaining about, oh, this happened. Oh, I was living here. What about all the people? Listen, I know more people in the inner cities that's law-abiding, tax-paying citizens that never did nothing wrong that's living their life than I do that's criminal. Now, uh, they might over-report crimes in my environment through the media, through television, so you see it, so it makes it look like, but what is it like? One point something million people in Philadelphia? How many of them people you think is criminals? Not a lot. There's not a large percentage. So I'm like, hold up. I could blame all this. I ain't got time for that. Because you think I got I got 10 years to be a blamer and a complainer? You know how much, you know how much time and energy people spend? The average person, and I'm just doing a ballpark figure, they spend years and fucking years, maybe a decade, complaining, bitching, and whining, and still nothing changed. I could be using that time to change my life. I could be using that time to embrace the reality of life and the reality of the shit that I've done to put myself. I paid for my ticket. I got on the train. It was many stops that came. I didn't get off at them stops. I went to the final destination of the bullshit that I was living in. I enjoyed being that. I was married to the streets of Philadelphia. I enjoyed that dumb shit. So I had to, okay, I went through the process of that dumb shit. I grew up. I evolved from that. Now it's time to live. Now it's time to just be out here on a journey through life, experiencing new things, new ideas, exposure. And that's what I realized. I wasn't, a lot of us don't expose ourselves to new things, new ideas. We're not open, open to different, open to change. And that's what helped me. I became open to all this shit. And so I'm like, okay, damn, that's different. Let me, let me try that. Damn, this, oh, let me jump out of a plane. Damn, let, let me do this. Like some real shit. And you know, and like while I'm here, I'm living this shit out. Because I'm going to tell you some real shit, Tom. When I fucking die, it's going to be a party in that motherfucking graveyard because my tombstone is going to be playing music and bouncing all around that fucking graveyard. I'm not going to be laying dead because that dash that's between the year I was born and the year I die, that shit is going to be breakdancing off that tombstone because I'm leaving all that shit here. I'm leaving it here. So it's like, why the fuck should I complain? I heard you say once that you only die once, but you live every day. I live every fucking day. You see what I'm saying? You Think about that. That day that you die once. See, a lot of times people put living as... There's one big thing. It's not no one big thing. It's things. It's days. Every day you're doing something fucking different. Think about this. 50-something months ago, I was sitting in a cell, waiting to go to child, standing for count. Now I'm in the Hollywood fucking hills with you. Think about that. I walk right out of here and I look at the whole, the whole L.A. I can see every tired part of L.A. Every movie I've ever seen, everything I've ever seen is right down in there. Think about that shit, man. I'm out here doing what I want to do. You know, uh, you know, go from prison to closing multi-million dollar deals and doing speaking all over the Come on, man. Fuck is you know why? Because I wasn't I wasn't gonna be a victim of self. See, a lot of people be victim of self. They this victimization, this self-victimization. Oh, why me? Oh, this is happening. Why this is doing to me? Oh, I'm black. Oh, I'm this. I live in a ghetto. I'm this. I'm the motherfucker. I'm 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 from deep in the ghetto. <laughs> I come from the ghetto, Tom. But I'm out here making shit happen, and I got to show these young kids in the inner cities of America, or kids, period, not just the kids, but I, I focus mainly on them because they're still sponge, they're still impressionable, they're still trying to figure out life, and like a lot of times, adults, they be locked in already on what they want to do. They just know how to disguise the bullshit that they claim that they want to let go of. They just know how to put a different uniform on it. 
kids, they're growing up, they're impressionable, and their imagination is everything. And that's, that's something that's very important in my journey, my imagination. Yeah, so th- this idea is really powerful. One thing that, to lead up to that, so people really let this one hit when you say it, the inner cities break most of the people that it touches. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, though, someone comes out, and they come out so with so much velocity. It was like, for them, trying to escape took so much energy, and they built so much enthusiasm and intensity up that when they shoot out, they go really far. You can mm-hmm. look at somebody like Jay-Z for an example. Yeah. Of that. Now, prison breaks most of the people that it touches. Yes. But the people that survive, again, the same thing, never going back. They build up this energy and that escape velocity is fucking crazy. Part of the reason I, when I first started researching you, I was like, okay, he got a 20-year sentence, but there's no way he did 20 years. And the reason I couldn't reconcile it in my mind that you'd actually serve 20 years is you were so positive energetic, enthusiastic, focused on all the things you were going to make happen. There, were, there was no sense of loss or mourning. It was just like, 20 years is a long fucking time, man. No, but see, you got to understand this. I wasn't in jail. I was in Yale. I wasn't in prison. I was in Princeton. I wasn't in the state pen. I was in Penn State. How the fuck do you think like that? Because you know why? I took the time and I was like, okay, this is time for me to you know, educate myself. It was, this, it was this book place that we used to order from come R. Hamilton. I think it was out Connecticut somewhere. And these, you would get books at probably like $20 for like $3. So I used to get a lot of books. I used to read. I used to read magazines all the time. I used to, I used to study the shit out of marketing. Because what I used to do is I used to always watch commercials. I remember one of my sellers used to be like, why the fuck are you always watching the commercials? And outside of the commercials, I used to watch Anthony Bourdain. The reason I used to watch commercials so much was because I was always fascinated with like, oh, when I went to McDonald's, that burger ain't never fucking looked like that. So maybe start. Then I realized it was an advertising agency that that was. Then I started studying advertising agencies. One another. Who, then I started studying. I read a book called Damn Good Advice by George Lois, one of the great ad men of his time. They did the uh, this TV show Mad Men. It was about him. This dude was an ad master. So I'm reading this book. I'm learning about nanosecond messaging and all this stuff. I'm re- realizing the color red is the most powerful marketing. I'm just studying commercials and I'm looking at things and I'm like, so the whole time, I'm in here. I'm just reading, I'm learning, I'm laughing. And one of my homies said, man, Wilder, you the happiest motherfucker in jail. I said, yo, man, I know why I'm here. <laughs> like, shit, I'm not here. I'm not innocent. Sorry to anybody else. I know why I'm here. I know what the fuck I've done. I know why I'm here, but I'm not going to be mad. I got it. Listen, I'm trying to, I can see the end of this shit. I'm looking at the end. I'm chasing the end of the tunnel. And when I get there, I'm going to be on point. So it was like, but, but when we talk about imagination, let me tell you something. As a, as a kid, your imagination would be endless. Oh, I want to fly. I want to do this. I'm talking about unbelievable imagination. Imagination is destroyed by family members, others. People kill ideas. You got idea killers out here. A lot of times these kids, they can't grow into what they want to grow in because they, they live in environments where their ideas is beat up and where as though they got to suffocate their ideas and somehow they kill their ideas and they bury their ideas because they don't want to get laughed at or they're ashamed of it. So by me going to prison from 17 to 37, well, you know, experience, life, lived experience, life will fucking destroy your imagination. If you're a adult, if I was out here, and I probably live, had a kid, went through different relationships, jobs, this, whatever I was doing, got shot, whatever may happen, it started to deteriorate your imagination. By the time I probably would have hit 27, I'd have been done of dreaming. I probably had to stop dreaming. By me going to prison, what it did is, 
it froze the imagination that I had. So when I'm in prison the whole time, I'm not living the life that most people be living and beating them down and wearing them down and becoming jaded and getting their ass kicked by life. So when I come out 37, I'm still in there reading all type of shit. And then when it was 2000 and, you know, 2013, I got my hands on an iPod Touch and a wireless hotspot in jail. <laughs> and when I got that fucking shit, I came alive. That's when I came alive, when I seen technology. Because you can see the potential? I seen the potential and I realized, okay, these people don't understand what's going on. I realized the stars. They so, couldn't see what you could see. No. Humans, I, I re, I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the people from my environment. I'm like, yo, <laughs> okay. I'm in my cell. I'm on social media. I'm going down. Now, social media, the timeline, everybody is bat battling for attention. Attention is real estate. Attention is the new currency. So everybody's battling for that shit. So I said, okay. You see this athlete, that's why they're watching because you're an athlete. If you ain't an athlete, why would I care? If you're not a, a girl that's half naked on Instagram, why would I care? If you're not a rapper, why would I care? That's what the average person say. I realized that social media gave it a, gave everybody a stage, but a lot of people don't know it's a stage to introduce people to their ideas, their outlooks of life or whatever. And they I also don't know how to capitalize on it. So there's an interesting part of your story where you're coming out of prison, you don't have two nickels to rub together, and you've got to find a way to get local businesses to let you be basically their pitch man. So that's already impressive. I, but what I did was I went to these businesses and I just did it for free to get my proof of concept. I had to get, listen, I had to show you, I had to have some proof so I could take the proof of concept and be able to say, when you go on my page and to be able to say, oh my God, or just be able to say, Tom might be like, oh my God, I seen that, uh, that, that commercial you did at that rib shack. Mm. I want one of them. How much? I'll never forget. It was a, it was a place. It was a, you know, a home health care place, uh, they paid me like my first check. It was $500 to do a, to do a uh, commercial for them. And when like I- Like shot on an iPhone or yeah, what? Yeah, an iPhone. Yeah. I just went there, tell my, my friend to hold the camera. I said, hold this camera. And I just did it. And it was like, it was out of here. Like I, I'm talking about I did it for 500. But when they called me, I, that, was, that was the first time I really charged somebody 500. I'm like, oh shit. I just was out of jail not that long. I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, there's a market for this. And then I just start charging for it. And then the price just start going up for 5000 1500 And it's just walking up on somebody. You tell them you got a business. All right, this is how much it costs. I'm looking at, I'm doing my research on Google, finding out what's the price point. Okay, these is the price points. Uh, boom, 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 bang. Okay, this is how much I pulled to get. Oh, I pulled to get $100 for 10,000 followers or whatever. And how did you figure stuff out when you didn't know? How am I supposed to charge? Like, how no, did no, you? I'm Google man. I'm Google. I'm Google. Listen, I'm an alumni. I'm talking about Google University and YouTube. I went to them universities. Them my, them my colleges. I got a degree. I got a degree in information from them two places. That's now, the easiest Tell place. people what you thought when you first heard about Google, though. I lost my mind. I thought, I thought uh, listen, the kid, I'm, I'm walking in. Because you're in prison for a long time yeah, by this point. I'm in prison. So the young kid come in. I knew his pop, family, whatever. He telling me, like, yo, uh, it's this thing called Google. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, you could look this up. I could look up anything. I, I was listening to him. Then when he said, I can even look up Lou. You can. I said, why the fuck would you be able to look up me? And I've been in jail all this time. That don't make no fucking sense. I'm not that stupid kid. I know I've been in jail. I'm not that slow, right? Because I'm really believing. So I went and I wrote it down in my book of life. The book of life is something that I wrote a bunch of stuff down that I got to check out when I get home from jail or things I want to do, whatever. So when I, you know, associate of mine, give me the iPod touch and the white clear wireless hotspot and I'm doing the research and I went on Google and I typed my name in 
And shit popped up. I dropped the phone. I was like, oh, shit, the feds on me. <laughs> they ready, just ready to be a RICO act for a cell phone in jail, right? So I'm just, I'm just like, I'm thinking crazy as shit. So I'm paranoid. I'm like, oh, shit, this is real. And it was over from then. Once I knew that I could go in here and research, I'm like, it, it, it cut the middleman out. Like, with me, it was like, okay, I don't need, like, Nipsey, fuck the middleman. I don't need the middleman now because now anything I need to know, I don't have to waste the time to ask you to try to, that's just like, um, you know, when you're voting or something. Back in the day, you had to go off the stuff that you seen on TV about a candidate. Because you, what, you going to go to the library? Where are you going to find out? Where, where can you fact check? So I went online. You go online now. You, okay, this is what this is about. This, and that's what helped me so much. Anything that I wanted to do, I go right on there. How do, how do, how do I do this? Or how do, I'm talking about everything. Like I was getting my YouTube plaque. And I was telling uh, Tuma, Tuma Bassa, I mean, great, great friend of mine. I was from YouTube. I was telling him, yeah, I just went on there and just, Looked it up. It took me a couple of minutes. God told me exactly what to do to get my YouTube plaque, my 100,000. I went and did, it was done. I was there in a week. It was just that easy. Dude, here's the thing that's really fascinating about you. So one, you've got this imagination piece. You actually allow yourself to be childlike, to imagine yeah. a world yes. that's like, understand that you're in prison. There's nothing but walls and lockup and, and just... It would be all too easy to only see the heartbreak of prison. And yet, through Anthony Bourdain, through commercials, through other people coming in that I know used to like pin them down and ask them a lot of I, questions I, about what the world people. is. Like you, you let your imagination roam. And I don't think it's as simple as, oh, well, I was in prison. That froze my imagination. I think most people, their imagination dies in prison. Yours didn't. So you, you fan the flames of this imagination. You let that run wild. You got your book of life. You're keeping all these notes. But the key fucking thing that I want people to take away from you is you never said, oh, but this isn't for me. It was always, I can imagine it and I'm going to go make it real in my life. Everything for me that's on this planet, everything that I want to do is for me. That's why it's here. Everything that you want to do, you can do. That's why it's here. Because it's about, are you willing to put the fucking work? And when I persevere, is you going to persevere to be able to, is you going to stay down? Everything you want to do, I don't, I don't know what you want to do. If you say, damn, I want to be a chef. Is you going to put in the work to do that? Is you going to do the research? Is you going to study the greats? Or maybe not study the greats? Are you going to come with some new ideas and new approaches to being a culinary, in a culinary field, chef, whatever? Everything is out here for everybody. Mm. That's why it's out here. Once you're able to breathe, you got all the tools you need. See, yeah, but getting people to understand that's really hard. So my last company, Quest, we had a lot of employees. And about 1,000 of them grew up in the inner cities. And I remember one kid, like my whole thing was trying to get them to understand like that what separates you from success is a lot of execution. That's it. Nothing else matters. Like Kobe Bryant has one of my favorite quotes, booze don't block dunks. You can literally hate a person. You can actually pay an entire team millions of dollars to try to stop this man from scoring a basket. They have every incentive in the known universe to stop him. But he's so good. He scored 81 points in a single fucking game. So at some point, your talent just shuts everybody down. I love that about life. Now, one of my guys came to me and was like, yo, Tom, this is crazy. Like, you're making me rethink my whole life because my mom told me that the world doesn't want people that look like me to succeed. He was a Hispanic kid. And I was like, bless your mom. I bet she's the most wonderful person on the planet Earth. But that is terrible fucking advice. And honestly, it doesn't fucking matter. Even if, and this is like my obsession. This is why I love your message. Even if the world doesn't want you to succeed. If you're good enough, they can't fucking stop you. And when you take out that middleman and you've got a device like this, this that lets people advice. build shit like 
literally you're, you're limited by your imagination and your work. And that's it. Now, I'm not saying that it isn't harder for some people. I'm just saying that it is possible. And that's what makes this collision for you of imagination and the whole world's here for me so fucking magical. Everybody, you know why? Number one, the thing about the Kobe thing, like you were saying, I got a lot of, you know, like with me, one of my sayings is, haters is your marketing team. Let them work. <laughs> Let me explain something to you. You know what haters do? They tell the world about you. They're free marketing. And what they do, if you're, if you're, really, the, if you're really the shit out here and you ain't playing no games, and you, I'm talking about you kicking ass out here, when a hater tells somebody about you and they go look you up and do something, you got new supporters. They introduce new people to you because they always talking about you. So they don't even matter. Like he said, booze do not block no shots. Yelling and hectoring do not block no shots. They're going to have you leaving the game telling somebody how you fucking hate me so much or whatever's going on. Cool. To me, this is what we got to understand. Everything you want is out here. See, to me, the world is one big library and everybody's a book. You got books on coding. You got books on mechanics. You got books on culinary. You got comic books. You got street novels. You got crime manuals. Read your books wisely. Choose them wisely. Watch what books you read. But every human being on here got a journey. And they know something that you might don't know. So it's like everything is out here. But what made it even more possible is that that world that's a library, I got it in my pocket in the phone. They gave me, they put a computer in my pocket. They done fucked up. <laughs> you fucked up. Because that's the only thing I ever wanted was a phone coming out of jail. I just wanted two phones. I didn't care about nothing else. Why two phones? Two phones because one, I could be listening to my music on another, I could be recording myself. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm a real emotional person. Like I love to feel, I love to cry. I love to uh, just be soft. I love that because I was neglected from that growing up in inner cities of America because I was taught how to be tough. So now as an adult, it just feels good. It feels so good to be able to cry. Do you get backlash on that from the streets? No, no, I don't, I, it, it wouldn't even matter. I, they, I run my life, not the streets. You know what I'm saying? Like I dictate the life that I, and I'm not looking for your approval to, for, to live. I did that too much. Growing up in the ghetto, I always had to get approval to live and the, the approval to think, the approval to be accepted. That shit don't mean nothing to me. Uh, I just, I just feel so good. Like I, I think I'm at my, I, I think I'm at my best, my the best feeling possible when I'm able to feel something and be able to react with my emotions and and to be able to embrace what I'm feeling and to be able to cry. I love crying on the aspect of like it just feel good because I'm letting something got out. And I used to remember when I used to be feeling a certain way and I couldn't let it out because of the environment that said that wasn't cool or I would be soft. Mm. So it was just like that shit was that shit is like everything to me crying and just feeling it, just feeling it like I, I, it's hard to explain. But it's like to be to not be able to do something for so long, then to grow, to understand your emotions and your feelings is like that shit is like everything. I'm talking about that shit is everything to me. And uh, to be able to feel because I I never could feel at one time. I wasn't allowed to feel when I was taught that that wasn't tough. I mean, you know, so like that shit is amazing you know, crying to me, you know? Fuck, man, I didn't see that one coming. That's, yeah. that's sick. Like, even, especially in an era where, so you've talked a lot about the bottom controls culture. And so you've yeah. got these people that you were saying earlier forgotten, but at the same time, that's where our whole notion of cool comes from. The yeah. streets, hip hop yes. music, all that. 
So even if you're not from the streets, the element of cool, to want to be cool, to not be soft, there's something amazing about somebody like you being who has the bona fides of having yeah. been from one of the roughest neighborhoods in America, having spent time in prison and come out okay. And um, for you to say that I, crying is everything to me, like, yeah. that's fucking powerful. I got a responsibility to educate the young people in a way because I'm exposed to more things and I know a lot from being exposed. I'd have been in some big rooms. I'd have been in some big places with some big people, some big ideas, some big environments. So I think it's my duty to educate them on life and living as I see it on the next level mm. and be, as being exposed. Uh, exposure is everything. And that's why a lot of people can't grow because they'll be in an environment. And like where I'm from, the ghetto builds walls. I jumped over the motherfuckers. You see what I'm saying? I was able to jump over and I'm trying to get the other kids. You'll jump over that idea of what you're supposed to be in this box of what you got to be in order to be whatever you think is cool or whatever. Cool as you. You've got a really powerful idea in your book that you talk about, which is you can't copy and paste your way to success. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that in, in the terms of that box of what you're supposed to be and how that sort of in and of itself is going to stop you. Think about this. Everybody got people that's interested in today's thing, whatever you're into. So you try to copy and paste, you will see somebody and say, oh, I'm gonna do that. No, no. Just because they wanted that, they don't mean you're gonna do that. Dennis Rodman, what I loved about him, all he did was fuck with people. <laughs> and he won. That was his style, that was his approach. He's gonna foul you, he's gonna whisper some shit in your ear, but outside of that, he's gonna grab a thousand rebounds and he was necessary in order to win. He brung some real shit there. He knew when he got on the court, this is my position. This is what I could do that nobody else can do. That's why I loved him, because he was just different. He understood that. A lot of people don't want to do that. They want to copy and paste somebody else and try to emulate their whole situation and think they're going to win and be mad when they don't. You know, and that's the problem out here. You can't copy and paste. You know what I mean? You got to figure your life out because whatever you're doing is going to be some people that's going to... It's an audience out there for everything, I'm realizing. So you got to just stay focused. Don't be looking at nobody else too much. How do people though find out like what their flavor is? Like so many people, one of the number one questions I get asked is how to figure that out. Like, hey, cool. I buy what Wallow267 is saying, but who the fuck am I? Oh, you got to reevaluate yourself and you got to have a real conversation with self. Everything is in here. Everything you need to know is inside of you. Um, and you got to get to know you. Sometimes you got to... You got to remove yourself from people, places, and things that's not just not going to allow you to embrace the reality and your individualism of who you are. And that's that's what's important. That's the most important shit ever. And it's already in you. People tell me, how, why is you asking me? You know you. You know your journey. You know what's holding you back. You know the horrors of your life. You know the joys of your life. You know who your parents was, the house you grew up in. What affected you? Whereas though you feel as though... You stop growing, you stop living, you stop dreaming. What moment? When was that? Go back and deal with that. Figure it out. You know what I mean? If you need a therapist, do that. Whatever. But you got to have a conversation with self about the reality of your journey. And once you connect with that, it's a wrap. When did you stop dreaming? That's a really powerful question. Yeah. Because motherfuckers stop dreaming and their imagination will die. Mm. Relationships will fuck you up. Rather, friendships or regular love relationships... It's a, it's a paralyzing, the end of relationships can become paralyzing. Because Love. it makes you doubt yourself? Yeah, and it makes you do all type of shit. Now you're asking questions. You're asking all these questions. 
person might don't want to be with you no more. Why I'm not enough? Oh my God. Now you're going to depression, all you thinking about all this shit. Uh, you know, y'all not together, marriages, all that shit. That shit fuck people up. It's devastating to people. Oh, was they cheating on me? Was I not enough? Did they want somebody else? All it, that's why I say, when did your dreams die? What happened in your life where you just stopped and it snatched something out of you and you just start going into a different place? You start eating a bunch of shit now. Oh, laying there, I don't want to live, all this dumb shit. When did that happen? When did your dream, like, because, you know, out here, a lot of times you got idea killers out here. And sometimes the idea killers and the dream killers be yourself. It don't be nobody else. See, nobody can make you do something. Nobody. If they don't have no gun to you and no shit like that, you're only doing this because you want to do it. You know what I mean? So you got to figure out shit. You can have ideas. You can listen to me. You can listen to this person, that person. But at the end of the day, you got to listen to self. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Because you got to get up and figure it out every fucking day while you're here. And you can't waste your time. If you waste your time, you're the fucking trouble. Because guess what? I'm not wasting mine. Yeah, no shit. This whole idea of building yourself. So as you're talking about people going through the end of a relationship and it's traumatic and it's got them asking all these questions, in that moment, I know why it's so dangerous is they're re-piecing themselves back together, right? So the end of the relationship sort of broke them apart. They had a sense of identity as that pairing, whether friends or romantic. 
And when that shatters apart, now they're like, wait, who am I really? Maybe I am a loser. Maybe I'm not worthy. And so as they build back up that vision of themselves, it's usually worse. Is there, you talked in prison this, uh, I heard you in an interview talking about prison and you said, you know, something happens to your mind when you walk by a guy getting stabbed until the other guy's yeah, and arm I said I had gets to go, tired. Yeah, I had to go insane in order to stay sane. That's why I protected my mind when I was in prison because I would have ran up against some shit mentally. How did you protect it? I protected it because I had to go insane in order to stay sane, meaning I had to convince myself that all the shit that I'm going to see during this journey of prison is normal. If I didn't, I was in fucking trouble. But didn't at some point you realize, actually, maybe that served me for a while, but now I have to do something different? Or did that mentality carry you all the way through prison? No, what it did is I learned how to, uh, after a while, I, I removed myself from a lot of people in prison, a lot of things. I stopped having certain conversations, stopped being around certain people. If I see, if I felt tension, I wouldn't go to the yard or all type of shit. So I wouldn't have to be exposed to a lot of more shit. Because in prison, you can seclude yourself. Mm. You don't have to go to certain places. You, could, you know, you could do your own thing. And uh, but it was a time where, though, it protected me. It really protected me because, you know, prison is a scary place. And when I went, first went to prison, I was scared to death. I thought somebody was going to try to do something to me. You don't know because I'm only going off the of TV and what I heard. And the the education of prison based off in the entertainment industry is so far off. It's so much more barbaric on TV, you know, than it is in real life. Like people be in their mind and their business a lot of times. But when that shit go down and go down and you, you'll see some shit. But I'm saying that's, that's how I protected myself. It's like, and then when it was time for me to go home, I had to debrief myself. It's like coming, you know, coming out of war or some shit. This is different, you know, but it's like. What did that process look like? What did you actually do? I deprogrammed myself. In order By to talking them. to yourself, journaling, no, no, just, therapist. Just understanding, writing stuff down, understanding, processing, remembering what I seen, re- understanding that that shit wasn't right, whatever I may seen and seen, get like that. So it's like understanding certain shit and just like, yo, get your mind ready for the real world. I started removing myself from a lot of things that, as it was time for me to go home so I could prepare myself to be, embrace the reality of the real life, reality of the human, human connection and shit like that. So, you know, that shit was, that's what that was about. And did you have like something specific in your mind where you're like, okay, this is because you talk about the real world and I look at your business career and what you've been able to achieve. And it's, this is not somebody who's sort of making it up as they go. This is somebody who's put a lot of research in, who's read books on marketing, Mm -hmm. who engages in their own branding, who went, you know, walking around the streets, selling merch, understanding what it takes to sell. Like, so when you think about the real world, is it largely from a business perspective? Like... When you say get ready for the real world, what does that it's, mean? It's, just, it's not just about business. That's, that's, just, that, that's not the biggest part of my life. It's just about living. Like uh, getting ready for the real world was just living. You know, uh, meeting my family, meeting them again. Because you don't, like most of my time on earth, I've been in institutions. So it was like, I know my family, but we don't really know each other. So you got a, a reintroduction to family. Um, get, getting out here and seeing things, you know, and just, and just living. You're working really hard to be successful. What would you say is like the most important thing to live life well? Is it pursuing something that matters to you? Is it family? Like, what is that? To me, it's just living. When I say living, I mean doing what you really, really want to do. Like, I realized that not wanting or needing anything is having everything. When you get to the point where it's though you're not chasing no more. But... I love the idea of 
taking a piece of paper, sitting down in a notebook, writing something down and saying, I'm going to start this. I love to create new shit. And I do it that day. It's a day. I call it, yeah, I, I need this uh, LLC. I need this trademark. I need this logo done. Boom. And just get it, like, to be able to bring something from nothing, put oxygen into idea, a thought, that's everything to me. Walk people through the process. So you you do this, you call somebody, but, like, you had to learn who the person is that you call. You had to learn about trademarks and no. copyrights. Like, See, how did you begin to put this read, all together? I read about this shit in jail religiously, but when I came home, what was so interesting, I went to Atlanta to wash my eyes. What does that mean? Uh, when, I, when I came home, a good friend of mine, childhood friend, is like a sister to me named Nadia. I used to call her when I was in prison, and she was down in Atlanta. And Nadia used to always say, you going to come down here, Wally? Everybody said they going to come. I said, no, I'm going to come down here. I always see Atlanta on TV. I'm coming down Atlanta. I'm coming to the A. It's amazing down there, right? So one day I was in my grandmom's neighborhood where I was born and raised, and she ride by. She said, Wally, where you at? She jumped out. She's like, Wally, you got to come down to Atlanta. I said, okay, I'm going to come down to Atlanta. And I made these shirts called, I said, I'm going to make some new shirts. I'm going to come down to Atlanta. She's like, because she had a, a consignment shop on Peter Street. And I said, all right, I'm coming down there. He's like, you can sell your shirts in my shop. I said, all right, cool. I went. I created this, this logo called Atlanta versus the world. Trademarked it and all that. But I wound up trademarking it later. But I took them down, printed it up. Said, I'm going down there. And the reason I said I had to wash my eyes because I came back to Philly and it's so poverty and it was so real and the violence was so on another level. I had to wash my eyes. Coming home to this, I don't want to be penetrated by just what I was seeing. I had to see some, I had to see people doing good from the, from the inner cities that looked like me. I wanted, I wanted to be inspired even more. So I went down to Atlanta. That's why I say washing my eyes. Atlanta washed my eyes for me to see, yo, this shit is real. People was making things happen. They're winning. They're successful. And, I, and, and when I went down there, I'm right there on uh, Peter Street with Nadia. I'm standing in front of her shop. And one of the greatest people I ever met since I've been home, this is like a sister to me. I meet Shay M. Lawson Esquire. I'm sitting there in front of the shop. And I hear this lady sitting there talking. She told me, some, yeah. And she was talking about copyrights. And I'm and I'm ear hustling our conversation. I was supposed to be, <laughs> but she was loud, I think. And I was like, I think it was cool for me to be listening to our conversation. And she was like, yeah, because the trademark, I mean, she was saying something about copyrights or something. So I knew she was a lawyer by the way she was talking and how they was handling the gig. Because they got a, she was getting somebody, it was, it, was, it was a big artist too. And she was making sure some business was done. So when she stopped, I said, excuse me. I said, uh, can I speak to you for a minute? And she was like, yeah. I said, uh, and I'm figuring like, this is an IP attorney. I already read about it in prison with an IP attorney because I knew about trademarks. I used to read books on copyrights, trademarks, and patents. That was the thing because I understood, you know, to own something, you got to have your IP. IP is everything in this game. You know that. You probably got a shitload of trademarks. So she walked up. We did the talk. And I'm like, she's like, yeah, I'm an intellectual property attorney. I said, yes, I've been looking for you. She said, you don't even know me. I'm like, she's from Cleveland. You know, she got that. She come from the same environment as I do. So I'm like, okay. I said, can we, can I talk? Can you help? And she said, yeah, what you trying to do? And I showed her my page. She's like, yo, I think what you're doing is great. I, I'm talking, I'm only home like not even 90 days, I don't think. Like two, she's, like, she's like, I think what you're doing is great. I said, yeah, you know, uh, how, 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 how much is the trademark? She said, just call me. I called her, right? So she said, what is your trade? I said, I want to trademark my name, Wallow267. 
I want a trademark. There's always money in Philadelphia. Because I thought it just rhymed. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's always money in Philadelphia. Right. You know, it's the idea of encouragement. Like, go ahead, make you some money. You know what I mean? Everybody want to make money. We're not going to get that. I want to make money. Everybody want to make money. So next thing you know, I called. I said, I want to do She said, listen, you don't have no money to pay me. So I like what you're doing. I like what you got going on. My brother was in prison. I love your attitude. I love your energy. I'm going to do this for free. Shay, her name is Shay M. Lawson out of Atlanta, intellectual property attorney. And I said, what? I said, she kept saying on the phone, like, she crazy. Because she charged this and she want to do this for free? Who she done it. And ever since then, I always got her. To, and then I, I, I blew up and I was able to pay her. Here go 3000 Here go this. Here go. You know, I was able to pay her for, the, for what's name. And to this day, she called me the other day. That's like a sister to me. She's one of the people that believed in my journey. And that's how I understand. But it's like. I knew from reading the books and all that stuff, okay, got to get an LLC. Gotta, and I still learn a lot of new stuff. Got to do this. Let me get this. Okay. Once I get the LLC, bang. Let me go and get the bank account. Bang. I got the tax ID number. Take this to the bank. Let me get it. Let me start operating off this card. So for taxes, boom, 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 all this, all that stuff. So, you know, you just, it's just easy. And anything I don't know, I just Google. And there's always somebody on Google. See, Google, I got so many friends on Google that I've never met that just be telling me stuff that I want to know when I Google them and I just get introduced. Damn, that's my friend now. This guy, he told me how to set up my Shopify. Mm -hmm. He know his stuff or she know. So it's like, it's easy to find this shit out, man. But people is like, don't want to learn it. Like, I want to know it. If I pay somebody to do something for me, I also want to know that what they supposed to do. So when I pay them, I know what the results are supposed to get. Right. So it's shit is easy. It take me like, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I'd probably be my company. I'd be a setup man. Set your whole shit up in a day, you know, Go on, go daddy, look for the name. Okay, it's impact theory. Oh, damn, somebody got that. They got that, but they're not doing the same category as what you're going to be doing. They might have impact theory. Oh, damn, won't we turn this E into a three? It's always, I'm always thinking of a way to try to figure this shit out so we can have that universally the same name, social media all the way around. I don't want to be changing it. That always drives me crazy, too. When I see a brand and a name is not universal everywhere, it's like, yo, why is your Twitter name different from your... Instagram uh, it's getting name. harder and harder by the day. While I'm, yeah, that's why you got to find unique names and write a yeah. bunch of names down when you got an idea. Literally, the so I'm obsessed with this idea of people learning the rules of the game. Like that, if yeah. if if they're going to put something on my tombstone, it would be this. Tom explained to me that there is uh, I'm having a biological experience. So understand that you're in a body and that yeah. body fucks with your mind. Yes. And then the other part is there's rules to this game. And if you get good enough, booze don't block dunks. Like, that's what I want people to get. And I remember the first time I heard the way that 50 Cent was moving and like the vitamin water deal yes. and that with his check, he trademarked a bunch of terms and shit. Yes, like he when did. he got that original deal. And I was like, this motherfucker, like he knows how to move. And when I hear somebody like you talk, I'm like, I really hope people are paying attention. You had the insight to learn about trademarks, yeah. copyrights, all that Treason. stuff, to actually get in and do that stuff. And therefore, you have ownership over the, the ideological uh, real estate in your life. And I, I am tempted not to tell this story because I don't want other people to do it. But I had a kid recently. He bought TomBillu.eth. And I thought, well, of course, Tom Billy, nobody knows what .eth addresses are. Like, it's the, the world's smallest subset of humanity. But because I talk about my involvement in crypto and I talk about my involvement in NFTs, this kid went out and bought Tom .eth. and Ethereum. Yeah. 
So I reached out to him and said, hey, I'd like to buy TomBilly.eth. You know, I've been do you hearing have about sale? that for years, though. Now, this motherfucker goes, I'll trade you for two calls spread out over six months with you. And so he had that shit on tap. Like, he knew exactly what he wanted. He knew exactly why he picked that shit up. And so I agreed. And so I was like, dude, I charge dollars for my time. So for this kid to get that much of my time, what would have cost me like $4 mm-hmm. is crazy. So, but he understood the rules of the game. That's the point. And when you understand the rules of the game, you understand how people are going to be moving. Now, all of a sudden, you can do things that other people can't do. But having somebody like you with your pedigree yeah. saying, this is how you win, yes. like that to me is how we begin to pull that next generation forward. Because ultimately, my thesis is all the societal change in the world will never do what will happen if each individual takes responsibility for themselves and says, I'm going to learn the rules of the game and I'm just going to play it better than other people. That to me, like, is the answer. But you know what? You know, you, 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 you know what? I understand, Tom. A lot of people hear rules. Rules has always been a bad thing in our life. Mm. So when you even say rules to the game, it's like, ah, that's too much of time. I can't do this. I can't do that. Not understand it. We're just talking about application. Mm. How to apply to the things that you say that you want. But the word rules scare everybody to where they're like, oh my God, no, a rule, I can't do this. No, we're just telling you how to apply yourself to the next level and how to set yourself up for ownership. The game now, as you know it, is about ownership more than anything in the world. This dude said, let me pay, let me go on uh, go daddy and pay $11 a year to leverage time. I'm going to get time on the phone for $11 a year. He bought that off of GoDaddy for $11 about. No doubt. It's only like $11 a year for, the, for, for a domain name. And he got, how, how much of service is that? How much of service is that? He, uh, all together. So for me, he'll get two hours of my time, which would be six figures. So yeah, he turned, it would have been probably $4 because it's a .eth address. So he turned $4 into about 150000 Ownership. Yep. On, all he did was took a couple minutes. He, he stalked your life, said, damn, I got to get the time. Oh, I got him. Got him. Yeah, it's fucking clever, man. Because he know the rules. This dude just knew the rules. Regular, how old was he? He looks like he's in his mid-20s. Young kid, too. Look at this. He, under, he, he know the rules, and that's what it's about. And you're going to give him, you know, six figures about $4 because he know the rules. But one thing is, is words, words scare us. Words. They're, they're horrifying. And that word rules is horrifying, so people don't want to do it. They ever ever say, oh, let me pay you to do it for me. We don't know if it's going to be done right because you don't even know the rules and know what's supposed to be done. You know what I'm telling you that I've done for you. Mm. So it's a game changer. So, you know. Nobody want to know the rules. I enjoy the rules. Yeah, man, that, that to me is a big part of what makes your story so fascinating is just how much time you've spent learning mm-hmm. and that you learn with such enthusiasm. There's one of my favorite quotes is Churchill, and he said, success is the ability to go from failure to failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. And when I think about your story, I just, man, it's really incredible that it didn't break you, that you know all the different things you've had to go through 
you're so enthusiastic and you're so positive and upbeat, which one makes people want to be around you, which is another thing. Mm -hmm. From the moment you walked into my house, you've been energetic, enthusiastic, positive, like engaging. And that's, that's really a part of your secret sauce. I see some of the most angriest motherfuckers on the history of life, I think. <laughs> I'd have been around some of the most angriest motherfuckers and I'd have been around some angry people and they enjoy being around me in prison because I'm just always talking shit. Like, you know, I was a guy that used to run around jail talking shit, like not in a threatening way, but like in a funny way, joking right. about shit, whatever. And I, I'm talking about, I know some, I done had some old heads when I was in prison that can be in, and I'm talking about in the top five angriest, his, angriest motherfuckers in the history of life. But they, and I realized it aids you, it beats you down. It uh, depletes your energy. It's worthless. Why the fuck should I be a part of that? When I, I'm breathing and I got a chance out here, I got to take advantage of every breath while I'm out here. And I got to take advantage of my time while I'm here. Cause I don't believe we're going to be here for long. Think about this. There's a good possibility that in 30 years, me and you might be out of here, Tom. Think about that. We might not make it to tonight. That's what I'm saying. So why not live it out? Why the fuck you think I'm gonna be sitting here? Ain't uh, uh, uh. that shit age you and fuck you up? It fucks your heart up. That shit fuck your liver up. Just being angry. So it's like, why should I do it? I'm just gonna live. You know? Yep. Walla man, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, dude. Not thank you for having me. Fuck yes. Thank Damon John too. For 100%. Permission. Yes, Dame, thank you, Dame. Damon John, my listen. I, listen, I love Damon John. Damon John DM me out of nowhere. Say, listen, man, we got to get together. Send me your number. And we, he just been, Tom, I came down to the inner cities. We walked around, interviewed him. He just been always great to me, always lending a hand. And, and he, entered, he exposed me to different things, man. He gave me exposure, man. I love that guy, man, you know? No, he understood. Definitely. He's seen it early. Respect to him. He yes. bet on the right horse. Yes. But dude, I think the message that you're bringing to people that you're living, which is way more important to me than if you were just popping off about it, but mm -hmm. that you actually live it. You're out there yeah. building businesses. Yeah. You've got your barstool deal, which yes. fucking crushed. Congratulations. Bar, barstool, no, no. Hey, listen, one thing about them uh, that I loved about them, they, under, they see it. They understand what's going to happen tomorrow. A lot of people don't understand what's going to happen tomorrow because they don't study yesterday, but they study it. Shout out to Erica and Dave. Dave P. Everybody over there, uh, Jen. Everybody over there is doing anything. Gaz, I'm talking about Deidre. The whole staff over there at Barstool, they get it, you know? I so, do, you know, man. that's what it's about. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Dude, thank you for everything you're doing. I think it's fucking brilliant. No, thank you for having me in this fucking, this extraordinary house on the top of, uh, what's this, where was we at? Top of Hollywood? Hollywood the Hollywood sign right next door to this guy. This guy's fucking, he's killing it. I'm talking about, I go right outside the slap box with a Hollywood sign. He's killing <laughs> shit out here, man. This is real life, man. Thank you for having me, Tom. I appreciate you, man. 100%. Anytime you call, I'm coming. Hey, get ready. Get ready. I'd yes. have you back anytime, brother. Yes. It's Thank amazing. you, man. Guys, I'm telling you, this is somebody that is putting it to use. A lot of people can talk. Not a lot of people are willing to do. And this man does. And the fact that he has all the excuses in the world that he could lean on and nobody would blame him, he doesn't because it doesn't work. And he has made millions of dollars out of prison. He spent more of his life in prison than out, and yet he's still out here making an extraordinarily successful business. Business says it's really breathtaking. I hope you guys learned a lot, and speaking of things that will help you in your journey, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, and until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.